there's nothing so gripping to a person who's talking, particularly if they're talking about something that, that's making them uncomfortable or they're in pain or they have a problem they can't solve. There's nothing so magnetizing to them as a pair of ears that are listening, backed up by body language and, and eye contact that indicates that you're actually dialed into what they have to say and you're not fixated on your own agenda. Welcome to Conversations with Connors, a NetworkWise podcast, and I'm your host, Adam Connors. NetworkWise trains and educates individuals and organizations in the science and art of networking to accelerate sales, personal development, and career opportunities. In Conversations with Connors, I talk with a variety of highly successful individuals in order to gain insights on how they built, maintain, and cultivated their relationships in order to live a life by design, not by default. Paul Edwards is an experienced writer with the ability to capture someone else's voice and tell their story. He has extensive experience as a ghostwriter and he's excelled at it. This quality makes him a strong networker as he can really get inside the mind of others and be empathetic. Paul also has strong faith. He's always willing to learn and listen He's just an all-around good guy. So with that said, let's dive into my conversation with my good friend, Paul Edwards. We are live. Paul Edwards, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's nice to turn the tables. <laughs> <laughs> what does it feel like being on the other end of the mic? Oh, right back at you. Every time you and I talk, good things happen and people get good ideas and stories and things that they can take the baton and run with it. So I'm happy either way. I'm happy asking the questions or turning it around and giving an answer here and there. All right. Do you have a preference? Do you like being on one end or the other? It varies. There have been some people I've interviewed where, I don't know, I'd have to chalk it up to a spiritual thing because it wasn't any particular feature or name title they had or anything, but it was just when they came on, our personalities really mixed well. And so there I'm like, I really love just asking the questions and sitting back and then adding feedback here and there. Other people, other situations, it's always fun to talk about yourself for a little bit, but <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good stuff. Well, listen, I'm excited to have you on. I've been looking forward to this. This has been a long time coming and it's been an honor to be on your show. I think you host a great show good content. You ask great questions. And I'm sure I'm not the only one to tell you that you got a great voice. So those are the makings for a very successful podcast. And it, it's, like I said, it's been an honor to be on your show. And I'm happy to have you here today. So if you're ready to, to rock, I'd love to kind of dig into some of these questions that I've been thinking about. I'm grateful that you say that and very honored and humbled. And yes, I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So for those who don't know you, besides being my friend, how do I introduce you? Do, do I describe you as like, is it the podcast host of Influencers Thought Leaders? Is it you're an author, just being a thought leader, uh, entrepreneur, ghostwriter, or just bodybuilding extraordinaire? <laughs> well, my bodybuilding uh, competing days appear to be uh, drifting into the rearview mirror because <laughs> business has picked up so much. So now I'm just bodybuilding mainly so that I enjoy what I look like when I see myself in the mirror. But I actually came up with an interesting way of phrasing this, and it's more like an elevator commercial, so it would go on too long. But the short version of it is there's two things I do well, and that's people and words. And so with people, 
it's very much the influencer side. My podcast, my book, Influencer Networking Secrets, coming out later this year. That's all about the secrets of how influencers network and the secrets of networking with influencers. Right. So building relationships, the long game, the monastic heart, pro bono publicity, all those kind of things that, that you'll hear me talk about. There's, that's that one side of it. And we're taking steps to find out, okay, how do we monetize that intellectual treasure trove? Because it's a lifetime of experiences and all that kind of stuff. The other side of it, of course, is that when you hang around people like that, I know because I run into them all the time, they also have their own treasure trove of intellectual property that they want to disperse and disseminate online. But what, of course, is lacking, as it is for most entrepreneurs, is the time. And in some cases, they don't feel like they really have the talent or the leaning towards writing extensively, but they could speak extemporaneously, like on a podcast or something, for hours about what they know. And so that's where I come in to save the day and say, well, I'll trade you my time and talent for your treasure in order to take what you speak about or what you know and fashion it into well-written content that you can then disseminate online. You can email it to make additional sales, to drive fundraising, to create a buzz, whatever you want to do with it. And that's where the executive ghostwriting part comes in. Excellent. What a skill set that is. I mean, I, I fit into that area where I can talk and talk and talk, but not really sure how articulate <laughs> that talking is going to be or how I'm able to kind of boil down the points that I'm trying to get across. So you've got this gift of being able to kind of aggregate all this information, streamline it, make it really crisp, and I guess tantalizing for the reader. Well, that and you see, like, there's probably plenty of people you could hire off of sites like Fiverr to do that. And you might even get a really, really good one. But again, we're talking about an issue of time. And so what most influencers are concerned about is their personal brand. And they're going to say, okay, but is this written content going to sound like it came from me? Or is it going to sound like it came from any old person that I hired to write it? And that's very important. So the other side of this, this is not something I actively market. It's just an added feature of it is the mimic, the ability to get inside the voice and the character and the mannerisms of another person. I've been doing that my whole life. Just I watch movies and then I imitate the voices of the actors and that kind of thing. So when I started doing this for influencers, particularly ones with strong accents, foreign people from other parts of the world and all that kind of thing, I just found it really easy to write in their voice because I could already read what I wrote back to myself in their accent and in their voice and say, oh, okay, that sounds like it came from Paul Edwards, not from Aaron Walker. So we got to fix that. Now that to me does not sound like something that can be learned. That sounds innate. I would say so. I certainly did not go to school and learn how to imitate people's voices. I just did it. I remember (laughs) my dad actually had me get up when I was only about eight years old. We were over at a friend's house with three or four families and we always got together and all the kids, there was probably 12 or 13 of us kids all together and we all played. And my dad managed to get all the kids and all the adults into the living room and had me stand up on a, I forget what it was, a little stage of some kind. And I did this entire comedy routine, stand-up comedy from this Irish comedian, Hal Roach. I had the whole thing memorized and I knew how to tell the jokes and I knew how to give the timing and I could do it in the Irish accent. And I had the whole room in stitches. And I just did that by sitting and listening to the records over and over and over again until I memorized it. So 
it was just an innate thing that was I was drawn to. Yes. Interesting. So why not pursue comedy then? <laughs> well, I've actually seen a couple of friends of mine have done that as a challenge for getting out of their comfort zone, trying stand-up comedy. And the thing about it is, when you're eight years old, you can be forgiven a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> At 40 years old, I've got to be pretty daggone funny if I'm going to do that. And I like to think I'm a pretty good with being dry and making a joke when it sounds like I'm serious. And that gets a lot of people laughing. But telling jokes is that is an art form like nobody's business. Oh, yeah. There, there was a great, I forgot what it was called, Art of the Joke or Comedian. It was the, the, the documentary on Jerry Seinfeld. And mm -hmm. just the amount of work that goes into to the, the craft of even just getting this half an hour of time that's funny is yeah. uh, it's tremendous. It would give you that much more respect for the artist. So let's flip to the other side of things. It is relationship skills. Or was there a time, like you said, when you were eight years old, in your life that you had this epiphany where relationships are really important. And if there was that epiphany, what did you do from that point on to develop, to get good at building some of these relationships and to develop these relationships that you were able to kind of carry through that has now made you a top influencer in the world? Well, the first time this caught my attention was I was probably 12 or 13. And I was just curious and I was looking at the different book titles in my father's home library. And he had this actually quite an aged, by today's standards, an aged copy of this book called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And I was at a point at that time getting into middle school and botching relationships and upsetting people for what seemed like no reason. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to take a look at this. So I started reading it. And I wasn't old enough to really appreciate what Mr. Carnegie was trying to get across in that, but it planted a seed. And many years later, I came back to it. The second time it happened was in my first serious um, long-term relationship because I just grew up in a very self-centered, self-absorbed kind of life. Even though I had a sister at home, I paid zero attention to the opposite sex. And so when I was in the first serious relationship, I kept getting all these right hooks for every little perceived wrong you could possibly come up. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I was just minding my own business, you know? <laughs> so I went to the bookstore and I found this book called Light Her Fire and I started reading it. And I was so selfish, I couldn't really do much with it. But there were some things in there I was like, oh, I could do that. And I tried it and it worked. And I was like, oh, okay. So maybe there's more to this, maybe not a science, but certainly some things you can do that can sort of even out the score there. Hmm. Are there just some basic fundamental things when it comes to relationships that you think most people are missing the boat on that you'd suggest that they start doing if they're not doing already? I would say that the, the most influential communicative tool assigned to the human being's body are on the left and right side of your head about halfway up. There's two of them, and they don't make any noise. They only receive it. And that's a fancy way of saying that for all the talking you and I are doing right now, Adam, you and I both know that there's nothing so gripping to a person who's talking, particularly if they're talking about something that, that's making them uncomfortable or they're in pain or they have a problem they can't solve. 
There's nothing so magnetizing to them as a pair of ears that are listening, backed up by body language and, and eye contact that indicates that you're actually dialed into what they have to say and you're not fixated on your own agenda. That is powerful and you really nailed it. And it's really interesting. It, it just reminded me, and I'm, and I'm not going to be as articulate as you are with this, but one of the main reasons they say that a lot of people that carry guns and, and doesn't, you know, I'm not making any statement about whether you should carry one or not, but at least making sure that people see that you have a gun is to make sure that you're attentive to them. <laughs> you know, yes. so, so I think that really kind of backs up almost your point about the importance of showing people, I guess, respect and listening. And then when having that ability to listen, you can then give back that much more if need be. So uh, great answer. Yeah. <laughs> How much time of your day or week or maybe even <clears throat> month do you actively invest in either, you know, building new relationships or just nurturing the relationships that you've already developed? It's a good question. I What I found was minimal. I wouldn't say I have a maximum time because some days this can go on for quite a while. It just depends on the degree to which I'm doing it. I said at a minimum, I want to be out there in the public sphere where people are spending the majority of their time, which let's face it is social media, at least 30 minutes a day. At the time when I made that rule, I was in the insurance business and I said, if I can spend at least no less than 30 minutes a day, it doesn't have to be all at once, right? It could be one period of 10 minutes, another of five and so forth and so on. But if I can do that, I can become ubiquitous. I can just show up everywhere in the minds of my audience. And it wasn't too long after that, that I, one of them actually asked me to coffee and said to me, how is it you're in 10 different networking groups every week? And I said, I'm not. And she said, well, every group I go to says, oh yeah, we, he's in this group. And it was then that it clicked for me. I was like, oh, I'm showing up in two groups a week, but they're seeing me in their newsfeed so often that they're not making the distinction. They're just saying, oh yeah, I saw him today. I, you know. <laughs> That's a bit of a fancy way of answering the question, but I would say I've sort of stayed with that. I've said no less than half an hour a day. What do you recommend to other people? Do you think that's a fair amount? Do you think that's too much? Should it be? It really depends on, well, it can depend on a couple of factors. You may have a, a schedule that just doesn't even permit that. And if that's the case, then so be it. I mean, I'm numerically, I'm a small business. I'm one man and I have a couple of freelancers and VAs and all that kind of thing, but I have the bandwidth with the degree of time that I have and the degree of time it takes me to get my job done to do that. The other thing, of course, is what's the degree of significance those relationships are to you? Because some people, their business doesn't depend as much on relationships with uh, potential referral partners as it does on relationships with vendors and regulators. You know, If you sell t-shirts online, for example, Facebook can serve those ads up to your target audience and they'll buy them all day long. You don't really have to worry about whether or not you build a relationship with those people if you've got something that they actually want. But you may have to worry about, can I get a, a really good rate from the people supplying me with the t-shirts and the printing services and all that, all of the assets that I use to produce that product. So it's going to come up one way or the other. And I would just say, then the question becomes, okay, well, which ones are the most important ones? And how valuable do you think it is to have that person glowing with happiness every time they see you? Mm. So 
if I'm interpreting you correctly, that that's more related to just business. I'm talking about in general in life because oh. business is just one piece <clears throat> of your life. Obviously, it's a significant piece and portion of the day and weeks and just the year. But yeah. you start looking holistically at yeah you know, relationships. I, I don't know if that changes your answer, and if it does, I'd love for you to expand on that. Oh, absolutely. I'll put it this way. Recently, I mentor a group of young men in the church that I go to here. And one of them asked me, where do you see this group going? What do you think? What do you think you're going to do with it? And I said, oh, well, it's tempting for me to start having grand visions and all that sort of thing. I'm not going to do that. But I'll tell you that no matter where it goes and no matter how far it goes, the one thing I know I will always be doing while I work that way is building relationships. Because that's the way everything that has been good in my life, everything that's brought goodness and happiness and satisfaction and income and all these other things has been when I have engaged in some form of creativity, be it friendship or marriage or partnership or allegiance and that kind of thing with a, at least one other person. So true. So, so true. Is there anyone, is there an individual that comes to mind that you've been able to build a relationship with, whether it's professional or personal, where you know that person really helped you climb you know, a ladder, or maybe you helped them climb some form of ladder, professional or personal? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. My mentor, Aaron Walker, with the Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind, is a 40-year veteran entrepreneur, close associate of Dave Ramsey, the radio talk show host. And, and, and he's really the what would you say, the hub client, original freelance writing client that I took on to start my business. I joined his mastermind. I started writing blogs and snippets and Alexa briefs for him. And all of a sudden, I started getting other clients from that relationship, people he referred me to and recommended me to. And the way I did it, it wasn't very different from things I tried to do tried to do with other people. It's just that he was the first one to really take the things that I did. And then when he, you know, he came on my podcast a second time. And when he did, he after we got done, he said to me, you know, you've you've introduced me to so many great people and you've you've just gone out of your way and you haven't asked for anything in return. You need to let me do something for you. And I said, I, I can't think of anything. And <laughs> So this is, here's the mimic in me. He says to me in his Southern drawl, he says, Paul, would you do me a favor and and unhumble yourself for a minute? (laughs) (laughs) And so I, you know, I said, well, I'm at the time I was still really struggling in business, couldn't get any traction and all that. And he said, well, what's something you're really good at? What could you do to help, to help a guy like me? And I said, well, gifted writer. I've been writing all my life. I can do it for hours and hours and hours. And Eventually, we, we worked back and forth and figured out a way that I could come on board his team and, and write. And that's really almost overnight. After two years of being out there, attempting to start a business, grinding, hustling, making mistakes, not getting anywhere, throwing up my hands in frustration, all the emotional turmoil. Next thing I know, I've got a book full of clients and referrals and proof of concept. And that was just the relationship that went a thousand miles deep. That's great. I'd love to hear that. Who are the types of people that you typically like to stay in touch with? What is it that you're looking for in the other end of a, of a relationship? And, and I'm going to actually cite 
uh, a gentleman who was on my show, one of the first episodes by the name of Bill O'Haran. And, and actually, he's another writer. He's got a book coming out on marriage, which is awesome, by the way. But he, you know, he said, Adam, he goes, you got to really, when it comes to relationships, you can, there's 100% that goes into a relationship and, you, and there's, you're responsible for 50%. I mean, you have to make sure that you're doing 100% of your 50%. And if the other person isn't doing 100% of their 50%, then that's a relationship that you need to reevaluate. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. And and again, getting back to the original question, what is it that you do and what is it that you're looking for in a relationship? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the question. I would say primarily, although I have certainly not done this in any exclusionary sense, the question of your faith and how you view the existence of God plays into it, just because to me, it's not just something that I intellectually assent to. It's a lifestyle, um, Judeo-Christian Bible-based theology and ways of living is the way I've ordained my life. It's the way I've ordered it. And so that's a strong matchup. Besides that, though, there's an awful lot of people I've found who become clients and, and are not as I wouldn't call them anywhere as outspoken or vocal about it if they are. And they may not even be particularly religious people, but they understand the game, the way that this universe is set up to favor the relationship builder, the long-term, long-game mindset. And usually they are an executive, a thought leader, uh, expert of some kind, coach, consultant. That doesn't describe all of my clients, but I would say it describes the majority of them. And the type of person that I would want to have a relationship with is somebody whose life is very, very much like a mission that way. I'm not one for idle banter and surface chit chat. I like swimming in the depths. I like asking deep, thought-provoking psychological questions, getting to the seven levels deep, as Dean Graciosi would put it, to to understand why do you think that way? What is it about this situation that that really grinds your gears, that kind of thing? So I hope that answers your question, but that's what comes to mind. Sure. So, all right, in the spirit of deep, if Paul Edwards was interviewing Paul Edwards, what would he want to know? (laughs) Or what should he be asking? Well, I was talking to myself the other day, and I said, self, if you were me, what would you think? (laughs) You know, motives are a huge thing. And it's not necessarily motives because I'm wary of people's ulterior motives. I'm not talking about that. I'm interested to know why is it that something that matters profoundly to you is of no consequence to me? Why do you get so riled up about this particular thing? I look at it and I'm like the cat in the meme sitting at the table with the screaming woman, just what's the big deal, you know? (laughs) Conversely, right, why is it I get so just uh, amped up about something? I get so excited. Why do I have such a passion for this and and such a disdain for that? And other people are like, what's the big deal? Just casual, harmless fun. Why why are you so worked up about it? uh, Those kind of things are, you know, you could chalk it up to personality tests, but... I'm more and more convinced these days that it's not just personality, it's identity. It's, it flows from deep within. And you wouldn't be able to shut it down, even if you wanted to. You would still care about it. That's why I mentioned like with writing, even in my darkest days, even in the worst seasons of my life, I still write. 
and write and write. I can write all day and all night because it's just what I was born to do. And so what's with that? Because that's precious. I mean, if you can tap into that, particularly in a positive sense, if you have a, an inborn gift and you figure out what it is and what it's for and how to use it and who to use it for and when to use it, all that kind of stuff, you've discovered the most valuable resource on the planet. Oh, I, I so agree with that. That is, you know, the fact that you've been able to tap into that is golden. And mm-hmm. if you could figure out how to, to help other people do that, whoo, you'd be onto something big time, Paul. You know, that is, I think, one of the biggest areas that, that like most people struggle with. I've seen it time to time and I talk to people almost every day and there are a lot of lost souls out there. I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. And there are a lot of people that are just a lot less fortunate and maybe don't even necessarily have the resources to get access to people that can help them. And even those that do have the access, it's still really difficult. And those are a lot of things that lead to a lot of unnecessary stress. Yeah. Kudos to you for tapping into that. What was the best advice someone ever gave you? I could think of a lot of them. (laughs) There's some funny ones, but probably the best one that I've had in recent times has been, oh yeah, I posted this a couple of weeks ago on Facebook. Dallas Willard is a great writer in the Christian faith, and he he developed this discipline. It's not one of the classical disciplines of the early church or anything. It's just one that he he gave it the nickname, the discipline of not having the last word. And obviously, there's a literal implication to that. But, but what he's referring to there, it's not so much about who actually speaks last as it is who defers first to just being loving and kind rather than having to get your way or needing to prove a point or I'll show you who was, you know, it's who can be the first to say, you know what, I've made enough mistakes in my life that I'm, I'm not that upset anymore. I don't need to point fingers or issue denials or, or play the blame game anymore. And I'm not going to. So what has seemed to be from the listeners is the, their favorite part of the show are these random questions that I'd like to ask you is I've got a whole list of these things written out and I've broken, I've gotten them broken down by category. I want you, and it's up to you to choose a number between one and 16. And these are work and business related questions. Give me a number. I would say seven, seven, any reason for seven. This may sound kind of cheesy, but it's a, the number of God in the Bible. It represents uh, perfection. Gotcha. All right. How has your life turned out different than you had anticipated or expected it to have been at this point in your life? Well, I can say that about 10 years ago, I really thought that by this time, I would be a nationally syndicated radio host. (laughs) And that did not happen professionally. Personally, it's turned out way better than I thought it was going to be about 10 years ago. I had been married about five or six years by that time, but I was struggling to reintegrate into civilian life from the military. I was struggling to get used to life now as a father of two children. And it was now that I was beginning to live long-term, full-time with my wife, not being constantly interrupted by the army, sending me here, sending me there, and deploying me for months, you know, years at a time. So that part of it, the degree to which my wife and I have become 
unified, united, and able to roll with each other, so to speak, to roll with each other's weaknesses and imperfections and quirks and all that. That's turned out absolutely beautiful. And I enjoy it every day. That's an awesome share. Thank you for that. All right, next question. Networking related questions. Give me Mm -hmm. a number between one and 12. Five. Five. All right. Okay. If shit hit the fan, Mm-hmm. If you had to get a job, what would you do? If I had to get a job, I would try to get a job writing. I could always go back to sales and marketing. I know how to do that, especially now. There's stuff that I understand so much better now than I did then. I could go back to that. I don't know if I would do insurance again, but I could go back to doing sales and marketing. Gotcha. Okay. Question 17 through 59. These are just random questions. So give me, choose a number. Choose a number. 40. 40. All right. What's the most important thing we should know about you? Most important thing you should know about me. Yeah. I am a recovering egomaniac. <laughs> all right. So. <laughs> While I appreciate all your compliments and all of that, it's not something I'm allowed to participate in on my own behalf very often. But no, I mean, I'm, and I don't mean, when I say a recovering egomaniac, I don't mean I'm the, I wasn't the type to get out there and like be pompous, preening, all that kind of thing. I'm talking about this just bullheaded determination to go my own way, no matter what. And that might not sound like such a bad thing to some people listening. That's the American way is right is to be independent and, and rugged individualism and all that. And I'm not putting that down necessarily, but I'm saying I, I live in a a state of existence where I have to constantly remain aware that I'm being watched by by the God I worship and and he doesn't want me to be this fiercely independent person who does his own thing all the time. And so that's been the biggest revelation, actually. The reason I'm mentioning this, Adam, is not to try and turn it into a religious thing. I'm just, that was the big exposed flaw. You know, entrepreneurship, if you go to entrepreneurship from a regular employment like I did at age 37, 38, it's developing a whole new version of yourself, right? It's becoming this entirely different version of yourself. It's not just changing bosses, right? And so the big revelation throughout all of that was, oh my gosh, I never saw it. In all these years, I never saw how proud and fiercely independent and dogged I was about doing things the way I thought they should be done and not listening to good advice. That's good. Let me ask you this, Paul, before I let you go, I love your show and I'd love for those that are listening today to have an opportunity to check it out. Can you give us a snippet about the show, what it's about, the types of people that you have on there and the content that you're covering? Yes. So the show is called Influencer Networking Secrets and its, it's eponymous book comes out in September. For all listeners, by the way, to your show, we're going to have a URL that they can follow, which I just realized I forgot to make. So <laughs> I'll have to email that to you afterwards, but we'll put it in the show notes. But anyway, the show is about, as I said, the the secrets of how influencers network and the secrets of networking with influencers. 
And the way we do that is we basically cover guests who can speak to one or more of the five or six qualities that I emphasize are essential to doing that. So there's the first one is the monastic heart. This is be a magnet, not a pusher. The second is pro bono publicity. This is use your personal media platform to promote other people instead of yourself. Great one. The third is not-for-profit is for profit. So this means get involved with a charitable or faith-based organization of some kind, not for the purpose of doing business, just for the purpose of being generous and kind and community-oriented and watch how you get business out of it by accident, right? Mm-hmm. The fourth is becoming how to network with dream connections. You and I had that conversation on your most recent appearance on my show. And that's just understanding how practicing this will position you and prepare you for the day you're standing in front of a very publicly recognized, influential person. And what do you do when you meet that person? And then there's two more chapters. There's the one called Persuasive in Print. This is all about learning to not to be a copywriter necessarily, but to think like a copywriter when you write, because we want to get a response when we write. There's nothing worse than sending out an email and having people ignore it. <laughs> and so how do you write so that people are more likely to respond to you? And then the last one is becoming a curator. And this is a topic that's become more and more of interest to people in the last five to 10 years, just because gone are the days where you just look something up in the phone book. You, you, now you got you to find who are people already using for this service? Who can I trust? Who, who can I get referred to? Who's actually good at this? Well, that's not what it's all about. But what I'm suggesting entrepreneurs do is they begin to curate all kinds of things. They curate themselves. They curate outcomes. They curate friendships. They curate customers and clients. Curate uh, the right kind of business relationships so that you you have as few <laughs> blind spots in your armor as possible. Excellent. Love that. Those that are listening, you need to check out the show. And it will be in the show notes and everything is going to come out. And when, when's the book looking to launch? We should have it ready for September. The URL that I have yet to cook up for you will take them directly to a page where they can be on the, the pre-order list. So if you now's the time, if you want to get a free copy of it, once it comes out, all you got to do is put in your name and email and uh, we'll get you on the list and then make sure that when those copies become available, you're among the first to get them. That's a beautiful thing. Paul, I really appreciate you uh, carving out some time to spend with us to make things, just to, to share your expertise, your wisdom, and all the information and the things that you're doing to make this world a better place. I appreciate you. Likewise, Adam, so good to be on your show. Really appreciate you and everything you do over there at NetworkWise. Make it a great day and remember to network wise. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for listening to Conversations with Connors, a NetworkWise podcast. If you or someone you know is looking for a career change, building a business, seeking to expand sales, or is just generally interested in improving your overall health and happiness, then head on over to networkwise.com to gain access to a plethora of resources to help you build your networking skills and community. Those who are ambitious will network. The ones who succeed will network wise. <laughs>